Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It shall be focused on a study of Lamentations chapter 3. Before we go any further, we begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as your scriptures have taught us, that you are good to them that wait for thee and to the soul that seeketh after thee. And that it is good for us, Lord, that we should hope and quietly wait for the salvation of our God. So we thank thee for your mercies. They are new every morning. May you speak to us out of thy word today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations 3 I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me, encompassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait, and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways, and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow, and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people, and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance, and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust. If so be, there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off for ever. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High, to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approveth not. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search and try our ways, and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardon. Thou hast covered with anger and persecuted us. Thou hast slain, thou hast not pitied. Thou hast covered thyself with a cloud, that our prayer should not pass through. 
Thou hast made us as the offscouring and refuse in the midst of the people. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Fear and a snare is come upon us, desolation and destruction. Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission. Till the Lord look down and behold from heaven, mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Mine enemies taste me sore like a bird without cause. They have cut off my life in the dungeon and cast a stone upon me. Waters flowed over my head. Then I said, I am cut off. I called upon thy name, O Lord, out of the low dungeon. Thou hast heard my voice. Hide not thine ear at my breathing, at my cry. Thou drewest near in the day that I called upon thee. Thou saidst, Fear not, O Lord. Thou hast pleaded the causes of my soul. Thou hast redeemed my life. O Lord, thou hast seen my wrong. Judge thou my cause. Thou hast seen all their vengeance and all their imaginations against me. Thou hast heard their reproach, O Lord, and all their imaginations against me. The lips of those that rose up against me and their device against me all the day. Behold, they are sitting down and they are rising up. I am their music. Render unto them a recompense, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. Give them sorrow of heart, thy curse unto them. Persecute and destroy them in anger from under the heavens of the Lord. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled Life. This was preached in 1962 on July the 19th. We'll begin at paragraph 20 up to paragraph 59. I trust you find it to be a blessing. I met a brother here this morning called Bacon, I believe it was, or Han Bacon, I believe it was, up there to India. He said he was here years ago when I was in the meeting. At that time, it's just a little phenomenon of putting my hands on somebody. And then we know what it was. Then, you remember I told you that he told me that it come to pass, I know the very secret of their heart. Now, you watch the meeting. See? Now, that, that is true. But it, what is it? Where I lack in something, God perhaps knowing that I love the people, and he just gave me something else to work by, you see. And I don't want, I, I want to make it for the whole body of Christ, everybody, you see. For, to try to influence everybody I can to serve the Lord Jesus. Maybe strange to some of the people, but I'm trying to encourage them, sit down and see it scripturally. If it wasn't the scripture, then don't believe it. No, sir. In the Old Testament, they had a way of knowing where it was the truth or not. If a prophet prophesied, dreamer dreamed a dream, they'll tuck him before the Urim Thundam. And then that's the breastplate on air. And, and, and no matter how real it sounded, if them supernatural lights didn't flash over that Urim Thundam, they didn't believe it. See? Because it had to be the supernatural. And if the Urim Thundam didn't prove it, no matter how real a dream sound or what the prophet said, it was wrong. Now that was in the Levitical priesthood. And that priesthood done away with takes away that Urim Thundam. But God still has a Urim Thundam. That's His Word. No matter how anyone sounds, sounds good or whether it sounds so fine, it would be the program. To me, it's got to flash on that Urim Thundam. It's got to be that Word. or it is. See, now God can do things. We've had all kinds of things going on. And no doubt godly man, good man. But we like different things of sensations and blood and oil and everything. That might be all right. See, God can do that. I don't say he can't do it. He can do what he wants to. He's God. And I ain't got no business telling him what to do. He does what he wants to do. But to me, let it be scriptural. And then I know it's right. See, let it flash on the scripture there. Then that, that's all right because I know he'll stand behind this. I don't know about the other. But trying to keep it that way the best that I can. And I... I never let my meetings get big where it could be that I'd have a lot of like uh, some of our precious brethren fine man like brother Oral Roberts when Oral and I first met he had a little ragged tent and I was over on one side of uh, of uh, Kansas City 
Kansas, and he's in Kansas City, Missouri. I got our picture standing there together. He said, you think God would answer me for... Well, there was a man, smart, intelligent, great man of God, good faith. I said, Brother Roberts, just a young minister. I said, God will answer anybody's prayer. It'll be sincere. Here he goes. The other day, such a precious brother. I had a meeting, businessman, Tulsa, then I had a meeting down at the auditorium. And Oral came in, it hurt his leg, and he called me out of the platform. I went and prayed for him. He said, you seen the, my building yet? I said, no, Brother Roberts, I haven't. He said, well, why don't you go over and look at it? So the next day, he slipped in around so he wouldn't be there. You know, I don't want a, a big man, a man like that. I know his time's precious. So I went, sat down in his home. I couldn't have been treated any nicer if I had been in my own home. Old Roberts, such a swell fellow. Tommy Osborne. Oh, my. They just don't wear shoe leather any better. That's all. That, he's just a, he's a precious boy. I was over at his place and all. Such a nice man. And uh, as they all claim it, I got started on the field first, and they seen it, and that's what made him go. I went over there, and Brother Fisher, I was with his group in South Africa. He showed me around through Oral's building. Oh, look, such a mammoth place. Beautiful. If you've never seen it, be sure to see it. Oh, you've never seen anything like it anywhere in the world. I've just been to Brother Tommy Osborne's and seen his great place. Hundreds of IBM machines setting, running. Human hands never touch the letters at all. Just run through, just like that. My money coming by the loads and dumping into a conveyor and going down. I thought, oh, my. He has to have it. He Listen, that's a great work. And I stood out there on the outside. I thought, God, how grateful I am. Look here at this building here. About two and a half million dollars, I guess. The achievement of one little Pentecostal boy. What God can do. One little oaky out of a dugout down there. What God can do. Just goes to show. And I seen Tommy, Tommy Osborne, stand there in Oral's yard. There's a bunch of people, you know, how you waiting on the outside. And a policeman taking me through and showed me out the back how to get around where I could get the car. And Brother Fisher would go, go around, pick up, and come get me around the back. I stand back there, look at my hands behind me, look at that big building, how beautiful. And uh, look at the mayor in there, you know, they're reaching down hands. I said, well, I got something that said to me, well, what about you? I thought, and then the brothers said that my little ministry helped put them on the field. See, each one of them sit and tell me that. And I thought, well, I guess maybe why did, where, if I was out there, why didn't I have something like that? I thought I'd sure hate for them to come to my place. One little typewriter sitting at the end of a trailer and begging somebody to come help me to get the letters out. I thought, well, you see, maybe God couldn't trust me, see Maybe if I'd got like that, well, I might not have been myself. And I thought, but I'm so thankful to God that he could find somebody that he could trust like that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want you to say nothing about I don't mean this any different. But while I was standing there, I got to cry. I thought, well, Father knew it. I no education. Them boys, how lovely precious I just turned around and started walking back waiting for the car to come I still there looked at a great big building just as plain as I ever heard a voice it said I'm your potion oh that's that's all right. I'm your potion I said thank you Lord then with what little I have I'll do the best I can to put the potion that you give me to the kingdom of God now that's where I've tried to stay little. I don't have nothing. We got some books, but they don't belong to me. They belong to Brother Gordon Lindsay. We just buy them on 40% that we can. And I have to give the man money to get back home on it since we crumped the West Coast with these books. And many of them got ruined. Give them to people. Anybody wants them and ain't got any money, well, they can have them anyhow. See? So I've tried to shun money. 
I never took an offering in my life. And I thought, what would I do if I had to sponsor something big? I, I couldn't do it. It's just I, I just couldn't do it. That's all. So the great infinite God knew that. So what little I have got that He has given me, I'm trying to share it with you, brethren. See, you're the church. May we all just stay one. See? And, and just stay together as brothers. And let's share what we got with each other. See? That way, we're, we're in a great battle. And we're, we're battling sin. Not one another. But we're going to fight at one another. Then, then Satan can sit back and just let us fight it out. See? But let's turn our everything we got towards the kingdom and put our shoulders one again with the other. Start moving upward. And work for there because I don't think we got too much longer. I think we're right at the end of the road. Maybe it's just because I'm getting to be an old man and I think that. But I know it isn't that because I thought that at all time. Uh, I believe that we're at the end of the road. And let's pray and help and support. Now there, Brother, Brother Robertson, they, they, they got... See, now... I don't, I don't want you thinking I'm saying anything against Brother Roberts. He's one of the finest men I ever met. Tommy Osborne, many, and Tommy Hicks, and those brethren are fine brethren. What I'm trying to say, you see, with uh, Brother Roberts, I think, has a college education. He's smart. And he's and God has just blessed that man in such a way he just got everything around him there to look. All of us people, if we, God has lotted us our part and lotted him that part, but all the parts make one part that goes to the kingdom of God. You see, we want to put ourselves together. Now, if I try to separate myself from Brother Roberts, that would be doing the same thing that I've been talking about. One organization separating itself from the other. Let's be one big group, you see. Just one big group. Speaking of Christian businessmen, I've been with them. It's kind of been an oasis for me. And because it at uh, and letting them sponsor the businessmen of the churches will come and of course that kind of makes it look like it, the pastor almost has to do it you know on account of letting down before the congregation but I told the businessman here not long ago I said brother uh, I'm, as the brother said I, I have never never been hypocrite enough to pull a punch from anything if it's so it's so if I say it not with any hard feeling but with love I said if you're a little boy or a little child was sitting out there in the street and you say junior dear if you don't come in you might get hurt that's not love real love will go out there and get him and shake him and make him stay off that street see that, that's real love see see and that's that's what it is, brother. I don't mean it for anything. You keep that in mind. See, I don't pet Junior. See, we we got to tell Junior and make him line up. Now, uh, the love of, of brotherhood, fellowship, together, working together, and just like uh, working agreements and so forth. That's what we're trying to do in the kingdom of God. Now. In this great time that we're living, where we're at the end time, I think I don't know how much time I got here. Just about fifteen minutes. Uh, we're working for life. We're struggling for life, and we're and in this life struggle, we find out that we're different, but we're the same. I find out that my finger is not my ear, and my ear is not my eye. And I, but I find out that they've got to work together to get the job done, <laughs> and that's what we got to do. You see, we got to work together to get the job done. And that's why I'm here, is trying to get the job done, not to do the job. I can't do it. I'm here to work with you, brethren, to get the job done. I think the possibilities and it's possible and probable too that right now something could take place right here that would send a revival through every one of your churches and you see it could do it now what little I have to do with I'm putting it with you brethren laying it up on God's great golden altar with our sacrifice and common grounds Jesus Christ there we're working 
I'm going to work with everything I can. And anything that I, if you see it, I could think I could do a little better, you just be at liberty to tell me, you see, and I'll sure do it. I'll do everything I can to work right with you and do all that I can for the kingdom of God. And then at the end time, then we all want to hear it say, It was well done, my good and faithful servants. Remember, this meeting here, it'll be history in another five days. Yeah. Okay? And then it'll meet us again someday. So let's do everything we can to make it good. I just feel like I'd like to say a word or two here, if it's all right, just on a little... I want to, I, I want to quote his word once. And just uh, maybe just a little, like a text... And I'll watch real close. Let's take St. John 5, uh, 24. If you want to think of it, it's one of my favorite texts. A handful and two dozen of eggs. <laughs> See, 5, 24. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. See? Life. What a word. Life. What are we doing? We're, that's what we're trying to hold. Life. That's what we're trying to find. Life. It's the greatest thing there is. Life. You're not long ago. I was sitting with my secretary on a little run to come up the house. We picked up an old piece of a fossil being in there. He said to me, he said, how old is that? I said, well, perhaps chronologists say it be, or archaeologists say it be about several million years old. He said, I short human life is to that. I said, no, no, no. I said, when that's no more, I'll still be living. <laughs> I got eternal life, see. And therefore, and if we look around, I think, brethren, that we can notice that everywhere we see is life. Life. Uh, you look across here and you can see, a, maybe, say, you see an orange tree. It's expressing life in its own way. Here's a palm tree. It's expressing life. Here's the pine tree. It's expressing life. There's a flower, red one. It's expressing life. The uh, blue one standing by, it's expressing life. See our organizations? See? See? Each one expressing life. We notice a little flower. Let's take the, the, the significance of a little flower. It stands up there beautiful and serving a purpose serves it well and when the frost hits it in the fall of the year that's it young or old it dies that's death those little petals drop off and a little black seed drops out of it let's see whether God's interested in what we're struggling for a little black seed drops out of it and um, after a while then it's as strange as it seems God's so interested in that little life until he has a funeral procession for it. It is. The fall rains come, great big tears drop down out of the skies and buries that little seed. Is that true? Yes. Sure is. Buries it under the ground. Long comes the winter freeze. Freezes over several inches under the ground. The little bulb dries up, freezes, gone. The petal drops off, gone. The leaf's gone. The little seed freezes, bursts open. The pulp runs out. That poor little life that God made. Is it finished? Not by no means. Oh, no. See, the solar system controls botany life, the sun, S-U-N. And just as soon as that warm sun moves from around behind the earth and gets back around here, there's a germ of life somewhere in there that no scientist can find, but that little flower lives again. It's served its purpose. It lives again because it's life. Well, if God made a way for the solar system to raise up again a life that served Him, what about the S-O-N when He comes? Amen. With eternal life. And we have eternal life. We're going to rise again some of these days. Let's just serve our purpose well. Whatever we are, let's serve it. Whatever place God's put you, let's serve it. For the S-O-N is going to rise one of these days with healing in His wings. I want to come forth in, in the brightness and the glory of His resurrection. I want to walk arm in arm with each one of you up before His presence. 
Until then, remember, we're the little leaf on the tree. I like to hunt. I guess you see my face blowed up. I always wanted a Weatherby Magnum. Some precious... I wouldn't let no one... I couldn't afford to buy one. They're ex- very expensive. Someone would have bought me one. There's a man sitting right here now. Would have bought me one. I couldn't afford to let him do that when I got missionary friends with no shoes on. I couldn't do that. Can't think of it. That's the reason I tried to give these pancakes to somebody this morning. I know what hunger is. I know what them people are suffering. I can't see wasteful things when... And all the brothers that believe the same thing I believe are over there under difficult. I couldn't let them do it. Art Wilson gave me a, give Billy Paul a Model, 7, uh, Model 70 257 Roberts. Billy, my boy, is left-handed. He couldn't use the right-hand bolt. A friend of mine that runs a Weatherby company said, Well, let me send that to Weatherby and have him reboard. Make you Weatherby out of it. Said it wouldn't said it cost you about $30, cost me about 10 he did it. He didn't bore it right. First shot, blowed it all over my face like to kill me. About six weeks ago, just see him place there, knocked top that tooth off where it went through there, and then cut the side of my face. Three of them went right around there, sticking in the sinus glands and in the bone. Fifteen of them went right straight in behind the sight like that, almost cut sight in two. This goes to show, I got a message out of it. These shake hand conversions, that's what that was. See, if that gun had been started in the dyes as a Weatherby Magnum, it would have helped the load. But it was tampered with and tried to be reborn. Of course, any gunman knows what happened. had pressure this side. See, it blew it. That's the way it is with some of this shake hands religion. I believe in being born again. Go back to the beginning and die out and be remolded. See, if you don't, there's going to be a blow-up somewhere down along the road. It'll blow up on you when any pressure comes. So let's hold the pressure. I was down in Kentucky with a friend of mine selling books here in the meetings. Mr. Wood, he's a Jehovah Witness that was converted by a poly old boy. He's got with him married now. Leg drawn up under him. Maybe I get a chance to have him testify. He got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. His brothers come. His father was a reader. They excommunicated him from all their being. One day his brother came in. I was home on vacation or resting. And he went out to his brother. He said, Banks, what? That's the one here. said, What in the world have you got tangled up with? He said, The bunch of fanaticism. He said, It's not a fanaticism. He said, Look at David's leg. He said, All nonsense. He said, Your daddy's raised you, raised us some kids, not to believe them hellfire burning preachers and so forth like that. He said, You shouldn't do a thing like that. He said, What kind of a quack are you listening to? He said, There he is out there in the field pitching hay. Call me in. I guess it looked like everything but a minister. And he said, sitting there, he said, uh, I was talking to him. I said, how do you do? Very cold and different. So a vision came. Just speaking. He's done it right here three or four times since I've been standing here. And I said, you're a... What'd you leave your wife for? I'm two little boys. He looked over to Banks as if his brother had told me about it. I said, don't look to him. The senior told me that. I said, what about night before last? Your wife's a blonde-headed woman. You was with a woman had arbon hair. That man knocked at the door and you went to the window. It's a good thing you didn't go. You got your head shot off. man had a pistol in his hand. He tumbled over on the floor. <laughs> he gave his heart to Christ and became saved. Now his whole family saved by the same way each one of them. And we were filled with the Holy Ghost. Then down we was hunting down in Kentucky. And this squirrel hunt. I like the squirrel hunt, this sport of squirrel hunting. We love them to eat. I trained my rifle at fifty yards for an eye shot. See, just at fifty yards. So we had a um, uh, hunting it was very if you ever hunted gray squirrels, you have I guess in Oklahoma up there. There you talk about Houdini being an escape artist. He isn't a escape artist at all aside of one of them. How quick they can get away like that. So it was real dry. He couldn't get uh, close to him. So he said, there's a place down in, um, and uh, here an old man that we could hunt down the holler where it's damp. You know what a holler is? 
what we call a holler. It's a valley where the uh, uh, hills come down, and you walk up through this place, you watch both sides of the hill. It's damp where the uh, water flows. He said, but he's an infidel and one of the roughest in the country. He said, oh, he's awful. He said, he know you've been a preacher. He said, he, mm. I said, well, let's go try it. So we went down through ridges and over hollers and everything until we got back way back in the field. There sat a nice little house back there. An old fellow with a big old flop-down hat, two sitting there, you know, on a tree. He said, there he is. So I said, you do the talking. So we drove up close. He got out. He spoke to him. said, come in. You know how the Kentuckians, Southerners, say, come in. Sat down there a little bit. said, my name is Wood. said, I'm Banks Wood. said, I wonder if we could hunt. said, friend of mine's down here said we've been hunting over here on the other creek and said it's too dry we thought maybe he said what woods are you are you jim woods's boy I said yes he said jim woods is an honest person in this country he said any of him or his people i've got hundreds of acres here help yourself I said thank you sir he says all right for my pastor he didn't mean to say that my pastor to go with me he said you don't tell me that a woods has got low down enough to have to carry a preacher with him wherever he goes <laughs> I said yes I said I thought it was time for me to get out. So I got out of the truck, walked around. I said, how do you do? He said, and you're the preacher. Hadn't took a bath in two weeks, you know, and squirrel blood and whiskers that long. I said, yes, sir. I said, I guess don't look like one. He said, well, that part's all right. But said, you know, I'm supposed to be an infidel. I said, that's not much to brag about, is it, sir? He said, I said, I reckon not. He said, but the only thing that I'm, I'm thinking is, I thought, Lord, you help me. You do it now, because I, I got something must happen. He said, "Well, the only thing I got against you, fellas, you're just barking up the wrong tree." Does anybody know what that means? A lion dog, you know, one barking at this tree and coons in another tree. You know, so he said, "You're barking up the wrong tree." He said, "You're talking about something. There's just nothing up there." I said, "Well, maybe that's to opinion." See? I said, maybe the dog sees something that you don't see. And he said, uh, well, I said, there ain't nothing up there to begin with. So there ain't no such a thing as God. I said, well, of course, that's your American privilege to believe that. And uh, so there's no apple tree standing there. And, and uh, a lot of them fall on the ground. You know, it was around about the middle of August. And uh, yellow jackets is, you know what a yellow jacket is? They're sucking around on them apples, you know. So I said, um, thought I'd better change the subject right quick, you know. So I said, uh, um, you mind if I have one of them apples? He said, oh, not at all. I said, the Yellow Jacks is eating them. So I got out and got a hold of one. Just rubbed all the dirty overalls. <laughs> when you're in Rome, you have to be a Roman, you know. So I said, well, um, I took a bite of the apple and stood there a little bit. He said, yeah, that's the thing against you fellers. You're always, the only thing it is, you're just sponging off the people. Living off of charity. I said, yeah, that's true. We live by the arms of the people. Free will. They don't have to come. See? They believe it and they support it. He said, well, he said, there is no such a thing. I've never seen anything declare such things. So I can look from up as far as my eyes can see. I don't see no God, see nothing else. So blind, you know. And so uh, he said, uh, I don't see nothing. Don't see no God. I've been here for 76 years. And I ain't seen nothing yet. He said, I'll say one thing. There was one preacher one time about two years ago. They come up here to Acne at the Methodist campground. He said, he's a feller from out in Indiana. He said, uh, the uh, old lady, Casshorn, I believe was her name. She lives up here on top of the hill right up yonder. And said she had cancer in the stomach. And said, uh, me and my wife had been going up every morning. Said we couldn't put her on a bedpan no more. Excuse the sisters, but you all say. But said we just had to use a draw sheet, rubber beneath you know, pull the draw sheet. Said me and my wife went up there every morning, every evening, and changed her bed and fixed her. Her and her husband lives up there, and said doctors had been seeing her and said she'd been doctoring this cancer for about a year and said she got to a place that they didn't even come back no more, just staying alive on dope. Said this preacher from Indiana, he never was down in here before, and said. And they're having a meeting up there. Said is I guess there's close fifteen hundred people in this uh, acting is a little bitty tiny. Well, I think the population is about twenty. See, but they have a campground there. And so he said, uh, 
The second night there when preaching, said he looked back in the audience and said to this woman's sister, called her by name and told her when she left home, she took a little white handkerchief with a little blue figure in the corner of it and she had it in her pocketbook. She had a sister named so-and-so over here was dying with cancer. Come put this handkerchief up on her and she'd get well. And said so that night about 10 o'clock, so I thought they had the Salvation Army up on top of the hill. I never heard so much noise in my life. We thought the old lady had died. So Kentucky, they go to bed at 7 o'clock with the chickens, you know. And they, so then, uh, so they uh, said, uh, and that was Big Ben, you know. They took that handkerchief and went up there with that lady laid on. And he squall like a panther anyhow, you know. Up there, yeah. So he was up there and said, the next morning we went up to find what we could do to help him. Of course, way back in there, he couldn't get an undertaker in until morning, you know. So they went Went up there to see what we could do, wife and I, and said, when we got up there, so that woman is eating fried apple pies, sitting at the table drinking a cup of coffee, her and her husband. You know what fried apple pies is, half moon? See, you pull out the dough like a pancake and put the, you know what, you know what leather britches is? Leather britches beans? See, beans that you, you know, hang them up, let the sun dry them and dry the apples, you know, the same way on top of that. And then take these apples and put them in this, turn them over like that and fry them, make what's called half moon, put sorghum molasses on top of them. They're really good. And they are, for sure. Are. So, said she's eating fried apple pies. Her and her husband. And said she don't only do her own work, but she does the neighbor's work. Ever since then. Now, I wanted to know how that man knowed that. And Banks is looking at me. Start, shook my head, ain't like that. And he said, uh, I'd like to know. I said, you don't mean that's the truth. I said, you wouldn't believe a thing like that. Well, he said, I can take you up there and prove it to you. See, now he was preaching back to me. Then. He said, I can take you up there and prove it to you. I said, oh, I'll take your word. See, I said, I'll take your word. He said, well, she's right up there. And if you don't believe it, just go up there and ask. And ask any the neighbor around here. Any of them can tell you about it. Oh, I said, I, you, you mean that's right? He said, it sure is right. Now you preach it back to me. See, I just stood there a little bit. And I said, he said, I said, well, what, so, what, what was you want to see the preacher about? What was his name? So I don't know. He said, if I ever see him, I'm going to ask him about it. I said, yes, sir. Well, I said, I hope you do. And uh, he said, um, well, he said, you know, he said, what I can't understand is what he is talking about when he could stand over there and never been in this country before and know that woman got that handkerchief and sent over there. And laid it on that woman and told her exactly what was going to happen. And that's been two years ago. And she's perfectly well. Said, And she, she's all right. So there she is. Doctor said she'd die at any minute. So he opened her with cancer and just sold her back up. Couldn't in about it. Done taking a hold. Season. And so I said, uh, wrapped around her. And said, there she is. I said, well, that's sure is strange, isn't it? And he said, sure is. And I said, boy, that's a good apple. And he said, yeah, that's a good one. I said, how old is that tree? He said, young feller, all my 50 years, you know. He said, young feller, he said, I used to live up yonder on top of that hill. Me and my pappy and mammy and all of us lived up there. Where that old, old fireplace, the old log house. He said, pappy built this house and we moved down here. He said, when he died, I took it over and said, I've raised my family here. He said, I'm 76. He said, I planted that tree there about 45 years ago. And said, she's produced a good crop of apples for me ever since she started producing. I said, Wonderful. That's that. I said, I noticed the leaves are all falling off that tree. See, my old mama used to tell me, just give a cow enough rope, she'll hang herself. See, so just to <laughs> tie your horse back on the end of the rope, watch anybody get his foot over edge while you know. So that's the way. Without any, uh, any uh, I just have to depend on God. Just the simplicity of listening, you know, going the way He leads. You see, with, with no mental powers of my own to cut them smart guys off. You know, you just have to let Him do it. You see. So He said, uh, "Well, He said, um, yeah, the leaves are leaving." I said, "Now that's a strange thing, isn't it, sir?" I said, "Here you are. Here it is, the middle of August. We have a, it's still hot, about ninety right then in the shade." And I said, the middle of August, without any frost or anything, and yet them leaves are falling off the tree. I said, I wonder what does that. Oh, he said, the, uh, the life left him. Oh, I said, I see. The life left him. Where did the life go? He said, down the roots, the sap. Oh, I said, it does. And he said, I said, what does it do that for? I said, you mean that life ain't up in that tree in the wintertime? I said, oh, no, it'd kill it. 
The germ of life would be killed in the tree up there. So the life goes right down in the roots. Huh? I said, comes back up next spring, bring you another bunch of apples. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I don't want you to answer me a question. <laughs> I said, tell me, that tree doesn't have any intelligence. But there's some super intelligence that tells that tree that's coming wintertime get away from there and go back down in the roots and hide down beneath the dirt next spring you got to bring this guy some apples and if it doesn't mind him it dies if it does mind him it continues to live that intelligence it's got to mind this intelligence he said, well, that's just nature. I said, what is nature? I said, you mean just uh, geographically and the rocking of the earth? I said, set a bucket of water out there on the post in the middle of August. Let's see, go down to the bottom of the post and, and in springtime, come back up and have another bucket of water. I said, I won't do that. I said, well, then it's got to be some intelligence controlling this. Let's see. So I never thought of it just like that, but I guess you're right. And I, I said, well, now, when you find out what intelligence that tells that, that sap in that tree to go down in the root to hide, to come back again and bring up something to benefit somebody, I'll tell you the same intelligence as what told me that that woman was laying over there dying with a cancer. If she'd obey the commandments of God, she'd be healed. He said, you're not that preacher. I said, I am. What's your name? I said, Branham. He said, that's the guy. Can you prove it? I said, well, I guess I could. And there under that apple tree, that simple little thing, life, I led him to Christ. Hallelujah. Last year, I was down there again. I walked up to the tree, and the woman was sitting over behind there, his wife, peeling apples. I asked for him. He's gone on. She said, Mr. Branham, God ever be with you. She said, year after year, we tried. We'd done everything. That simple little story about this apple tree brought him to Christ. So life is so simple, but yet it's so great. Let's just put what we got so that we'll have a resurrection someday. Not only us, let's bring forth somebody else with us when we come to that day. Is that all right? Can we pray? Heavenly Father, you've made life so simple, the way so simple, so plain. Let it be far from us to try to ever twist it in such a, a way to bring in our own, what we think, intelligence. Let's just take the simplicity that God has placed before us. There, use that to win souls for Christ. Father God, we're here now. We're here opening this meeting. There are sinners all around here. I don't know who they are, where they are. Here I sit with men and women this morning that I believe that through the ceaseless ages to come that we'll live together. As we sat here this morning looking across the table one to another, I watched down along the line seeing gray-headed man who was probably on the field preaching when I was a sinner. We shook each other's hands. We fellowshiped around our breakfast. We may never meet at another breakfast. But there's one thing sure. We're going to meet at a supper someday. That's a wedding supper. When that great table is stretched across the skies. Reaching from sky to sky. We look across the table one to another. There's bound to be a little tear drop from our cheeks as we think. As we shake each other's hands. Say, I remember the Salem meeting. Here's brother so and so. He is the one come in at that time. This and down here. Then the king and his beauty walk out in his white robes, wipe all tears away from our eyes. They don't cry, children, it's all over. Enter into the joys of the Lord. It's been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. God, let us have many sitting around the table because of this effort that we're putting forth. Now, we'll do all we can, Lord, and we're depending on you to help us. We're yours. We're in your hands, Lord. Do with us as you see fit. We thank you for the fellowship with one another 
and with the Son of God, whose presence is with us now, may he ever remain, and may we ever remain faithful and true to the calling that we might go out, not in the power of money and the power of great things of the earth, but in the power of humility and sweetness and humbleness of the Spirit as He will make us and mold us into images of sons and daughters of God, that we might win others to Him. In Jesus' name, we ask this blessing to honor God. Amen. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word, which You've spoken to us out of today. May You get into the depths of our hearts and fashion our nature after Your own. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Will ever 
of death.